Today on Ovi's and Gilio, we talk about the path. The path for Carolina to get to the college football playoff. The potential path for NC State getting a bowl eligibility. And the path for 0-17 and the Carolina Panthers. Big thanks to everybody who has given us five stars left for reviews on their favorite podcast platforms. Thanks to everybody who has smashed that subscribe button. We are getting dangerously close to 5,000 subscribers. That means that Gilio and I need to start thinking about what ridiculous thing are we going to consume when that happens? In the meantime, you can buy a t-shirt. Head on over to breakingtea.com slash OG. Buy your Ovias and Gilio merch. Hint, hint, we might have something new coming out by the end of the month. So again, check that out at breakingtea.com slash OG to get your Ovias and Gilio merch. OG. 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 Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius inside Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Big thanks to Empire Properties and big thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. We got to find a way to modernize your yellow pad with document management from Copiers Plus. I probably should learn how to like scan things in and keep them because I got... I you got, got papers stuff all everywhere, over, man. You should see it at the house, man. It's it, it, is, it is pretty crazy. But again, big thanks to Copiers Plus. Get a document management assessment at copiers-plus.com. Uh, I mentioned the yellow pad. We might as well just go ahead and start with the yellow pad because Joe, I Joe, we've been here for 25 years. Is it happening? I think. Is it? I think it's happened. The, oh, the, one eye is definitely open here. Okay. One eye is definitely open i get it there's a lot of football left yeah and like you i have friends on the twitters who are unc fans mm-hmm. they have scars in oh football. yeah i'll get to that in a second they have scars in football so it's kind of like wait is this really happening no it really is they're six and oh they look really good yeah they're playing at a level that even when they don't play great, which which was the first half of the game against Miami on Saturday, mm-hmm. they're finding ways. Good teams play better at the beginning of games and in the third quarter. That's when coaching comes into play. Carolina this year has been outstanding in the third quarter, and again, they were on Saturday night. It really made a difference in that game, and I'm here to tell you, 12-0 is in play for that. Oh, absolutely it's in play. In, and I, I said it early, and it was kind of like, well, if they get past Pitt, because remember, Pit Super, Super Weapon Power, which you called. Which, no, no, no. Pit Super Weapon is a credit to Holly Anderson and it happened Manny. this week. You called and, it this week. And I did call it this week that the pit just I want to get full credit for the idea of the pit super weapon. And the pit super we- weapon activated at the most inopportune time for Louisville because we're all talking about their schedule. Oh my gosh, look it's at their the schedule. Thing ever. It's the easiest thing ever. And then Pat Narduzzi put all those negative thoughts in the vase. <laughs> he did. Got rid of them all. And they all were, I don't know, burned something. I hope somebody asked Pat Narduzzi. So what did you do with said negative comments? Was there a ceremony? Anyway, they knocked we're off familiar with such things. We uh, are. Yeah, so we they, are beat, they beat Pitt. They beat Miami. These were the two games that I looked at and said, "This if, if you're a sleepy Carolina team, not mm-hmm. focused, not locked in, not understanding the task in front of you, those are the kind of games you lose. Yeah. And they go to Pitt. They take care of business. They get Miami here in ornery Miami who came out the way that I thought they would in the first half of this Same. football game. Same. And listen, turnover luck is real. Carolina's causing turnovers and, and capitalizing on them mm-hmm. in, the, in the third quarter in particular. And and Tez Walker, you know, there there was a whole lot of legal fighting. There was a whole lot of bad mouthing between UNC and, and the NCAA and Georgia's president and whoever else. And who boy. What would happen if Carolina and Georgia ended up playing in the first round of the college football playoff? 
Would they make that guy come out? But let's, but let's hold on a second. <laughs> I would. We're, we're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves here because, <laughs> because Carolina still actually has to go out and do it. And this is where the scars come in. And I brought up the yellow pad that you had tweeted out over the weekend about waking the giant and UNC when they've been ranked in the preseason and how they have not lived up to those preseason expectations and oftentimes find themselves not ranked yeah. at the end of the it's it's wild. Not, it's not that, oh, you're preseason ranked and there's some expectations and you finished, you know, with fringy top 25 team. No, not ranked last year included as a preseason top 10 or 2021, I should say, when they were preseason top 10. Uh, they finished not ranked. And then you go back to the, 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 the comparison. Since their um, last ACC title in 80, right? So in com- I think the true comparison, the true one for one, is actually the last time Mac Brown was the head coach at North Carolina. And it was in 1997 when they got out to a similar start. Six and zero. Last time they were These, six and zero was 97. And the and for a triangle school to do what North Carolina is doing right now is like a Haley's Comet type situation. It comes around every so often, maybe once a decade. Haley's Comet's a hell of a lot longer than that, but you get my point. <laughs> the point I still have a Haley's Comet shirt somewhere in my parents' closet, so, you know, because it was like a big deal when yeah. Haley's Comet came through in the 80s. Regardless. It's a big deal when a North Carolina Triangle School gets to this point. But we all know, whether you're a Carolina fan, a state fan, or even a Duke fan, that the bill eventually comes due against a superior ACC squad. However, or even Atlanta for Georgia Tech for Carolina. I mean, that's a terrifying game for them. I'm I'm just saying to you at six and you can't get to 12 and 0 without being six and 0. Course, right. You of know course, what I'm saying? Of course. Of course. So the, the way that it's falling in front of them, they are absolutely capable of a stumble. I get it. La- just last year, they lost to a bad Georgia Tech team. Yes. Because Josh Downs, who who never drops passes, dropped a pass. Like, are they going to lose to Virginia this weekend? No. No. Oh, this is a name your score game but this, this weekend. The things get tricky for North Carolina at the back end. And this Correct. is the blessing and the curse. Remember, Mac Brown spent a good chunk of this offseason complaining about the schedule. Funny, ironic thing, though, is that if North Carolina actually is going to have a legit look at the college football playoff, those last three games and the ACC championship game set you up to put yourself in the conversation for real. You and I were talking about this before we went live to tape. North Carolina's schedule does not have anything that makes you go, mm, right, in terms of their sure. wins. Minnesota's fine. South Carolina's going through it. I get it, but it's an SEC opponent, so that'll always give you a little yeah, bit of a bump. They're not going to be dinged for that. They're, they're not going to get dinged for that. App State's going through another, I feel like, by the way, quick tangent, I feel like this week we should set aside Mountaineer therapy and pirate therapy. We could do that. Because, goodness gracious, our, our football friends to the east and to the west are going through it right now. Understandably so. I'm not, I'm not dismissing it. I understand why fans are lamenting right now because they've been set up for some modicum of success and they keep getting beat back down. Regardless, tangent over. Point is, you, the Duke game is not going to be easy. They oh, could no. have Riley Leonard by that yeah, time. Absolutely. I could I could absolutely see North Carolina losing to this Duke squad. And it's not like an indictment on Duke or North Carolina. That's just a really good freaking Duke yeah. squad, which we'll get to in a second in, in regards to their win over NC State. The NC State game, man, look, you talk about the scars. I've gotten to know a dad from the travel hockey circuit who's a UNC fan. And he's like a legit UNC football fan too. And he came up to me yesterday in Wake Forest uh, in the middle of Jacob's game. And he goes, you know, they're losing the state, right? (laughs) 
And I looked at him like, would you stop it? <laughs> not this state squad. No. no, like absolutely freaking not. Stop it. Now, Duke. Okay, fine. He's like, well, no, yeah, Duke's really good. But man, you know, I've, been, I've seen this too many times. I'm like, yeah, not this state team. And then obviously you got the Clemson game in there. Yeah. So you've got down there, down there. So yeah. you've got, you've I'm got not, the I'm not Duke game. It's a cakewalk. It's not a cakewalk at all. I agree with you. They have the ability. There. The path is there. They have the skill. Yes. This thing is there for them. It man. is. So you've got the Duke game. You've got the Clemson game. You close the year out with state. And then you're probably looking at Florida, Florida state, state in the ACC championship game. You do that. You're in the college football yes. playoff. Like there, there's no discussion whatsoever. You can save me the Pac-12 crap. You can save the ACC because the Pac-12 has been good this the year. The Pac-12 is going to cannibalize each other. That's the problem. This is true. Although Washington might be able to pull this off. but I don't we'll think see. they will. Okay, but we'll see. I think they're really good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but. so anyway, North Carolina, it's all there for North Carolina. And the reason why I think North Carolina can do it and why I've come around on them after being very nitpicky at the beginning of the season is that they're... I, I will double down with what I said, and it pissed off Florida State fans. That is a complete football team. It might be the most complete football team in the ACC. And you know what ultimately takes them over the top? Drake freaking May. Now, I... Is it Drake May or is it Hampton? Dude. Because the two times we've seen Hampton run hot this year, no, those are the two times I've been most impressed. You need Amari and Hampton. Right. This is why I say complete. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to stop North Carolina's offense? Because Drake May had arguably his worst gonna, game of the year. You're going to blitz the shit out of them. That's what that's what State does. That's how they give sure. them problems. That's what Duke's going to do, too. Drake May arguably had his worst game of the year. Miami did a hell of a job yeah. getting to him. And yet, it was Miami's worst defensive showing of the season. Because Think about that. Yeah. Because of Amari and Hampton. Well, and also, and Tez, Walker. <laughs> Tez Walker. And this is and like, why. hey, over here, pay attention to me. And if you don't, here comes a 55-yard touchdown right. in your ear. Which is why <laughs> I was really mad at North Carolina fans on my timeline. And you know who you are because you're in my mentions sometimes too. Um, but it was like, why are they getting away from Hampton? He's like 200 yards rushing. Why are they getting away from him? Because Drake, you have Drake freaking May. And Drake May, for some of his errant throws, a little off timing. Again, that's credit to Miami for getting a lot of pressure sure. on Drake May. He's still going to break off a beautiful pass. And he did that three freaking times with Tez Walker. Which the again, third and 20 to Walker is what put the game away. That on. was a great throw. And you do it's that. Window. You do that because you know Drake May is going to have a game-breaking throw at some point in the and, game. You and, keep that confidence going. And you, since you love the sides and since you know I love it when I'm right, I told you CJ Stroud was the best quarterback <laughs> in that draft. I'm telling you right now. I am telling you right now. Yeah. Mark it, save it, clip it. Drake May is going to be a better pro than Caleb Williams. Okay, yeah. And I don't understand. I, I just I can't wait for that conversation to start because... I guess I think people get wowed by the the silliest things at the quarterback position. Yes, and he has some pretty crazy things that happen in the games, right? Caleb Williams oh, has made some incredible. He has throws. made incredible throws. I'm not and dismissing that's what, that, and that's, and that's what ultimately gets people but, all riled up. Okay, and it's, well, and it's Southern Cal, Southern Cal has sure. a history with this kind of stuff. You know, that, I see why people get all worked up about. But that. it's like, oh, he's a no brainer. No, no, no. Drake May is is the droid you're looking for. No, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. One one nitpick though. With the heels? With the heels. Penalties continue to be a problem. Yes. 14, first, first half in particular. 14 penalties for 147 yards. There was a sequence at the end of the first half that if Miami was better coached, if Miami actually knew what the hell they were doing, and you know how I feel about Mario Cristobal, you can put a new, you can put a guy in a new Miami polo, it's the same shit every freaking time. And they, again, North Carolina, a lot of credit for not having the end of the half be a disastrous turnaround yep. momentum changer going in the half. 
because that's actually the best sign for Carolina, the penalties, the mistakes yes. that they did make. And they yes. still overcame them in such a way yes. that they took control of that game in the third quarter that the final score is not indicative of the way that they controlled the football game mm-hmm. after the half. Yeah, totally with you on that. Totally with you on that. I'm totally with a new flavor that's limited time over at Wings Over. New flavors? It's limited. It's all part of Spooktober. So I went, I went on Saturday after Jacob's hockey game to pick up some wings and then head back home to watch the remainder of the Duke. Car- the Duke. By the way, the Duke State game finished before yeah. the Carolina started UNC after. Game. Finished before. Yeah, UNC Miami was at seven thirty. Duke uh, and NC State was at eight o'clock, and that Duke State game was wrapped up well before, well before the uh, Miami uh, North Carolina game. Yeah, they have, it's like part of their Spooktober special flavor, a uh, limited time only, Cajun garlic, dry rub. I enjoyed it. You it are much me, more adventurous than I am when it comes to trying new things. It made me fragrant though, because garlic does a number on me, man. It really does. <laughs> You're more willing to try new things. I like to stick, find a fastball and stick with it. I'm with you. Sweet chili is my go-to when I go to Wings Over. Check out Ryan Malley's crew, Hillsborough Street. Wings over Raleigh, wings over Chapel Hill, wings over Greenville. The, the spot in Greenville literally is right there, right across from Daddy Ficklin Stadium. Such mm-hmm. a great spot. So check them out. Order online, wingsover.com. Go pick it up for go pick it up. Free parking right behind the store. Ryan's does such a great job. Wingsover.com. Can't have football without wings, man. I did the uh, the honey hot too. That was another. again, you are adventurous. Yeah, I am I'm, not. I'm, try, I'm trying all I the flavors. Not. Oh, the garlic parmesan tots as well. Again, I, was, I have had those. those I was good. I was super fragrant on Saturday. I'm just gonna say that. Uh, one other note about Drake May and, and Tez Walker and how important Tez Walker is. And you'd put this uh, yellow pad stat out there with where the offense has gone with Tez in the lineup and where it was before Tez was in the lineup. And we can sit here and make the very cynical jokes about, well, no wonder North Carolina was fighting tooth and nail to get Tez Walker out there. I don't know if it's a joke, if it's <laughs> more well, of a reality. <laughs> it's a reality, but I think, and this is what I had, this is what I had said when they brought Tez Walker, when Tez Walker finally was eligible to play. It's not that I think Tez Walker is going to become this Josh Town safety blanket. It's just the addition of another weapon. North yeah. Carolina's offense had already started to go in the right direction. Like Nate McCollum mm-hmm. in that development was really positive for North Carolina. But what it allows is Kobe Pacer, right? Another person that they thought big things out of this year and was limited. Actually, I don't even think he played in play on uh, Saturday, right? So, but Tez Walker comes in, just gives you another weapon. What are you going to do? All the tight ends, all the big targets that they have. Again, when you have a pro right. quarterback, the world is your oyster. Now, over to NC State. That doesn't have much of any of this. We we talk about the path to the college football playoff for North Carolina. What is the path to bowl eligibility for the Wolfpack right now I, after a, a what I what I would amount was a no-show on yeah. Saturday against Duke? I, I have settled on that NC State is now going to win one more game this football season. Okay. Because this is going to be a totally bizarro season. They're going to, for only the second time since 2001, beat Wake Forest. Because for some reason, Wake Forest is down bad, too. They are, yeah. And listening to Dave Clawson after these games, man, they are going through it Yes, right now. I I think both programs, Clawson year 10, Dave year 11, are in similar dips, right? They both ran hot during the pandemic. They both, and Wake, full credit, ends up winning the Atlantic Division in 21 Mm -hmm. with a win over state down in Winston-Salem. And they both lost high-profile transfer quarterbacks. They both have had issues on turnover, uh, not only at the skill positions, but a lot on defense. And I think the, the programs are just in similar spots right now, just as they were the previous two to three years. I think they're in similar rebuild modes right now. 
NC State never wins in Winston-Salem. I am now convinced the only game they will win the rest of the year is at Wake Forest. You talk about press conferences and, and listening to what the coaches and the players say. Uh, Peyton Wilson has gone viral at NC State two weeks in a row for completely different reasons. True. Last week, it was taking the time at the end of his press availability after a win against Marshall to be like, hey, guys, cut the shit when it comes to booing Brennan Armstrong. Yeah. Totally understood where he came from. This go-round after a no-show against the Blue Devils, he started the press. He just straight up started the press conference by apologizing. So it was, hey, apologize for booing Brennan Armstrong. Now I'm apologizing to State fans for the way they played at Wallace Wade Stadium. I just want to apologize to Wolfpack Nation. That's not what they deserve. That's not how we should play. I mean, everybody on this team's got to get with the program. We got to come out here and we got to play like as hard as you can possibly play every single snap because we don't know when that last snap is. Um, we just got to get back in the lab and we got to, honestly, we don't need to get better. We need to get tougher. This whole team needs to get tougher from offense, defense, special teams. You know, we got a bye week coming up, much needed. Um, I know Coach Doran, Coach Gibson, Coach and I are going to do a really good job of you know, getting us right. But we just, I mean, as a team, we got a lot in. We got to get tougher. So again, that's Peyton Wilson, somebody who in his last season with the Wolfpack did not come back for this kind of year. And I can understand his frustrations <laughs> bubbling over. Where would State be without Peyton Wilson? It would be oh, worse. My God. It would be a hell of a lot worse than the way this season is going. But you caught it there. You need guys to get with the program. Later in Dave Doran's press conference, Dave did the typical opening statement where he said, look, it's on us. We got out coached. We got outplayed. We have to execute. But this idea of getting with the program started to kind of raise the red flag, sound the alarm bells when Dave also alluded to everybody having to get with the program. This is a game where 11 guys got to do their jobs and do it with technique and do it for the right reasons for their brothers. And we started the game well, did a great field goal, and then had some momentum go the other way. And offense just penalty after penalty, drop after drop was dysfunctional in the first half. You know, thought we came in and guys had a good look in their eye. They were pissed off. They said a bunch of good things and didn't go out on the field and get it done. So again, that's Dave Dorn after the loss yeah, the, to Duke. The penalties are a problem. Yes. Their lack of talent is obviously the most overarching problem. Their offensive line is not good. Mm -mm. And as we're seeing in the NFL, if you can't block anybody, and, and full credit to Duke's defensive front, which we've said it's all along. It's a strength of is theirs. their strength. Yep. And, and uh, this game went exactly how I thought it would go. Exactly. And I, I do not take any great pleasure in that. I just... I do wonder what people watch from time to time where they come up with some of the optimism. I'm not being a pessimist when it comes to state. I'm a realist. I'm always going to be a realist when it comes to state. And when you look at what they have, you, you can't, as the got man used to say, you can't just sprinkle the, the fairy dust on yeah. and make it work. It's not just an ad water type. Even look at Colorado and the, and the problems that they're having by going yeah. into the portal and adding all of this great talent. I would just say this for NC State. The penalties are inexcusable. Penalties are always coaching. That's, and do you know what the, the correction there is? If you get a penalty, you don't play. Yeah. You're NC State and you put Takari Collins out there after he had two procedural penalties against Marshall. He now has more penalties on the season than mm -hmm. catches. Yes. This is the guy you got out of the portal. Right. Hello. We what are you doing? We talked to Mike Elko. What are you doing? We talked to Mike Elko, Duke had football coach last week and he pushed back on the idea that we weren't necessarily right. active in the portal. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, we got guys <laughs> because everybody thinks it's the way that Dion does. Right. It. Oh, we're just going to like do this roster swap. No, 
You can identify needs, go get those needs, and get them right. That's the best case scenario for NC State going forward, which they did not do yeah. this year. And what the rest of NC State's season is about, what trying to get the bowl eligibility is obviously goal number one, because to your point, you don't want the floor for Dave Dorn in, in year 11 to be like abysmal. Yeah. You should at least be a, a fringe bowl You want to go into the Carolina game with five wins. Exactly. Yes. That's what you want. But it doesn't look like it's going to be that. It doesn't look like it's it going to be not. that. But the issue that I would have for NC State at this point, you want to talk about floors. I talk about what is your identity? What are you known for? And for whatever reason, this year at NC State, they're not doing the things that we've typically seen out of a Dave Doran team. The procedural penalties are one of them. That is coaching. But also with the execution, what is it about this team? Did, did NC State fans and this coaching staff get spoiled about the older group that was essentially there for three years? The pandemic season, the season after that, and the running back year last year? And they're almost like, well, wait a minute. All the guys that we could trust to do these things are no longer there. That would be an indictment on coaching. Uh, I would agree with you on that. But that game was over before the first half ended. Yeah. Because they you, hit, they you get, get the big shot. You get really Be- to make it 7-3. And you I, get Beelan to turn the ball over right out of the gate. And you go a three and out. And you on settle. A, the first play call of the game to Lassane. Right. After Kevin Concepcion had the game that he had against Marshall. Your your first idea was to go to Keon Lassane. Again. I am empathetic and I understand why the NC state is in the situation that they're in, but Mm -hmm. you have to help yourself. They don't. The the personnel usage has to get better. The penalties are tied to that. Mm -hmm. If you commit a penalty or if you drop a pass, guess what? Have a seat on the bench and enjoy. I don't care. That's let's go back. Let's go way back. Mm -hmm. Dean Smith, Roy Williams, you're the starter and you're screwing up. The very first thing they did, give me five new guys who I know are just going to pour it out mm-hmm. and play really hard. And you can watch and see their effort level and understand that they're not as talented as you, but they're making a better effort level and they're playing smart. I'm looking at state and you say whatever the goal is the rest of the way. The goal the rest of the way shouldn't be to shoot yourself in the dick because that's what they keep doing. Well, it's funny. It you're not back, talented enough to do goes, that. It goes back to something that I said earlier this year with, uh, a couple of teams, you know, there's there's the Herb Sendek, right? And I'm going to get to mm-hmm. Herb here in a second. There, you can win by scoring more than the other team. Yes. You can win by keeping the other team from scoring more than you. There are two different ways. But I would add a third, and that is to don't constantly step into the rake and have it beat you in the head. And that's what NC State did. The six penalties kept Duke in that game, not taking advantage of the turnover early and settling for it. Not just a field goal. A freaking 57 yarder, a school record field goal. And that was the only highlight. I mean, honestly, that was NC State's only highlight because in the second quarter, you then have the turnover, which some of that comes with the territory of MJ Morris, who hasn't played really in just about a year. And if he's the future, you're going to have to take some of the good with the bad in terms of the development. So the interception is what it is. Uh, But once they turned that into points, it was a wrap because you did not believe NC State's offense, given what we've seen all season, was going to be able to fight from behind the way that Duke's defensive line works. So Duke, you made it really easy for Duke to shut you down. And that's what NC State has done all season long. They have not done a single thing this year to help themselves. And we're not going to have enough time to talk about it today. We could probably save this conversation for tomorrow. But I have finally been tipped over for Dave Dorn and where things are headed. He has officially entered the Herb Sendek zone. You and I were talking about this earlier. And again, we can explore this a little bit more. I'd be curious to kind of get thoughts from the audience via social media or through email. But you you asked me this question before we hit record. What's going to drive NC State fans battier? 
North Carolina's path to the college football playoff or the fact that Mike Elko in year two is doing what he is doing, looking way better than you See, in I, two years. I think it's Carolina, but I think I'm wrong, actually. <laughs> I think it's what's happening at Duke that's uh, ultimately driving state fans crazy. And that's why I say you enter the herb zone, all right? To Dave's credit, he has staved off the pitchforks because they've ended years by beating Carolina. You know, the loss to Wake Forest or the what could have been you get the soothing balm of having beaten North Carolina at the end of the year. And in some cases, you go, how did we beat North Carolina? So that's going to save you in the end. That's something Herb Sendek could never do. Yes. All right. However, the one thing that ultimately sunk Herb and what made things a little toxic at the end, not just a little toxic, but toxic. You talked about this at the beginning of the season, that the vibes at Carter Finley have been off. They have been. And that's why when you see what's going on at North Carolina and you see what's happening at Duke and you have everything there for you at NC State, everything's there for you. There's a fan want to level that doesn't exist at Duke by sheer numbers, number one. And then number two, you've had opportunities to take this. That's that's the issue. And you haven't you done gotta it. you got to have one of those to lean back on they and say, when we had our shot, we made the most of it. And that's what's really... That is very Sendekian. Yes. Because the 03 ACC title game, I still can't. I love JJ Reddick's podcast, but man, I can't see him without wanting to punch his face for hitting 28 threes in the second half of that basketball. Got to take advantage of those opportunities. That is one thing that NC State hasn't done. And that's why I think he is officially in the Herb Sendek zone. Is Arizona State hiring? They were last year. I. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get get back into more into Dave. I think the most, most. Her part of it is I think people are have made up their mind. Yeah. Well, of what he earlier. is and what he isn't. Yeah. And I think that holds true. And again, I'll just reiterate, this is not the year to be mad about with Dave. No. This is a rebuilding year. The year to be mad about is 17. The year mm-hmm. to be mad about is 16. The year to be mad about is 20. The year to be mad about is 21. Mm-hmm. Not 20. He did his best work in 20. 21. 21. Last year, even when Devin was healthy, they they were just never breathing fire the same way that Carolina yeah. is this year, where you look at it and go, you know what? This team's the best in the ACC. All right. We got podcasts on podcast. New young gun episode will be out this week. Um, I we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later in terms of Bryce young. I think it was fine. I think what happened on Sunday against the Miami dolphins is more proof that there's a coaching problem and a talent problem for the Carolina Panthers, not necessarily living that parallel life to NC state. Yes. Yeah. Not necessarily <laughs> a Bryce young problem. Also the broadside, which is hosted by our friends over at WUNC North Carolina's public radio. It's hosted by award-winning podcast producer, Anissa Khalifa. And the broadside explores news, history, pop culture stories rooted in the American South. And each week the show goes beyond headlines and explores a single topic impacting the region From the rapid spread of dollar stores and their impact on sustainable food access to how the word y'all has quietly conquered the English-speaking world. The Broadside is your source for Carolina news and culture stories that might not be on the front page, but definitely deserve a deeper look. So go ahead, follow and listen to new episodes of The Broadside every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Also, big thanks to Matt Davis over at State Farm for sponsoring Ovi's and Jillio. Check them out online at insuregardner.com, the OG insurance.com, or call them directly at 919-779-8277. Yeah, Matt, first of all, you, you need insurance help. Go check out the OG insurance.com. Second of all, he's got a great event this week. It's the Ring of Fire. He does it over his neighborhood mm-hmm. where he raises money 
And he does such a great job with this event. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sad that you're going to be out of town because yeah. there's chili, but it's not like traditional. It's like everyone kind of makes their own and yeah. then there's smoked meats too. It's right up your alley. So yeah, I'll be in Orlando for the Bands of America. We'll see how Enlo does at this competition on Saturday. How do, how do they judge band competition? Is it based on like your arrangement, your it's, sound? It's judged on a, a variety of things. And watching the judges work is pretty interesting because they actually have judges on the football field. They do. With recorders. They, now they use their iPhones. Okay. And they're essentially doing live commentary into their phone so they can go back, back with their notes, with their notes and then judge it. And they, you know, sound obviously matters. Choreography matters. Although if you really, I might do truth bombs on marching band competitions. I was going to say, they like, used to be marching band competitions. They're basically Broadway shows on a football. Okay, field. they're Broadway shows on a football. Yeah, field, I forgot man. which. Oh, was the Garner half? No, I was over at Fuquay on Friday. There's one. There's one school that was, has a pirate. Yeah, they, ship. they were. They were. Actually, man. Carrie has a pirate ship. They're doing. I think they're Arr. doing hook. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm just saying. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not versed in this. You know, it's no, like I said, sometimes I. you don't know what you don't know. You got to ask somebody Look, man, who does. Neither was I. I. I'm learning the band life, man, and it's an it's an interesting subculture to say the least. Uh, <laughs> big thanks to big thanks to speaking of subcultures, college football is a subculture, and Homefield has their finger on the pulse of it. Check them out, homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code OG23 to save 15 percent off your order. They just dropped some Campbell gear. It's pretty sweet. Um, and they've got some NC State hitchhike. The hitchhiking NC State yeah. Mr. Wolf was hilarious to me, and I feel like that's what some fans are doing going forward with uh, with Dave Dorn. But anyway, you can find all that stuff at homefieldapparel.com. All right, the, the Carolina Hurricanes no longer undefeated. They're not going 82-0. They lost last night to the Ducks. I watched the Kings game. Yeah. I was wild. <laughs> I was like, I actually went God, to bed. They looked so good early yeah, that I, I woke up. Was it 14 rounds of the shootout? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Martin <laughs> for getting it done. <laughs> so, and I watched because last night was actually on at a decent time in Anaheim. I think it was a 830 uh, face off, if I'm not mistaken. So I watched a little bit of that game and yeah, the Kings just didn't have it last night. So they're not going to go 82 and 0. I don't think anybody expected them to go 82 and 0, but hey. Is what it is. A rare October loss. There will be no unbeaten teams in the NFL either because it was a class. I love the NFL and how everybody gets overheated. And we always get a weekend in the NFL where the best teams don't look like the best teams for a variety of reasons. There were two results in particular that I find to be Rorschach tests when it comes to NFL coverage. The first one is the Philadelphia Eagles. People have been waiting to go, I told you so. I told you so about the Eagles. They haven't been that good. Jalen Hurts has been a turnover machine. They've been fortunate to be unbeaten at this point. It's like, look at their, look at the teams they've beaten. They're not been that good. It's going to come for them. And they did lose the Super Bowl last year. I know. It came from the most powerful force in the universe. But some teams lose the Super Bowl and completely lose the plot. Like the wheels fall off. That hasn't been the case with the Eagles. They've found ways to win. And they almost found a way to win yesterday, despite the fact that Jalen Hurts had a, was turnover prone and the Jets just kept lingering around and the Eagles defense allowed them to break off big play after big play. Do you know who's most upset about that result yesterday? Are you going full A.A. Ron conspiracy here? You know, the, the person who's functional the, without him. Yes. That dude is so <laughs> livid internally. He's like, because because, hey, he would everybody before the game was look, no crutches. 
keeps catching and throwing balls. Mm. And Robert Sala after the game is saying, hey, man, this defense, his quote, we've embarrassed yeah. these really good quarterbacks. I want to be like, hey, Robert, slow down a little <laughs> bit. You didn't embarrass them. Cool, but whatever. It's actually I mean, their schedule has been hard. The Jets schedule has been hard. And it's a credit to them that they've gotten a three and three. Yes, like, absolutely. no, all the props. But somewhere, you know, it's like, well, damn it. Everybody wanted to trade Zach Wilson, like just waiting for me to come back. And now Zach Wilson looks somewhat functional. Perfectly fine. You have taught me to say I was right about stuff. I've been absolutely right about Zach Wilson this entire time. People wanted to ship him off. Go trade for Kirk Cousins. I'm thinking to myself, Zach Wilson is not the problem. Yeah. The defense has been spotty. But in these games, like yesterday against the Eagles, they found themselves putting the clamp down. And taking advantage and putting themselves in a position to win, which they did. So credit to the defense. There's on that. one team who could play offense in the NFL right now. And it's not the Chiefs. No. Which is kind of wild if you Dolphins. think about it. It's the Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what so was I right about Tariq Hill? I'll never be right about that because they won the damn Super Bowl without him. But right. the truth of the matter is you, you're always gonna be wrong. <laughs> you're always gonna be wrong about but, that. But but you're but the Dolphins actually, before we get to the Panthers and the Dolphins, it gets to my point about the 49ers as well. Did you know there was like a Brock Hurdy, Brock Purdy hive that wants him to win MVP? No, actually, I did not know that. Dude, I do. I was not aware of this until yesterday. Brock Purdy, like the beneficiary of not yes. only the best play caller in the NFL, yes. but the best supporting caster. It shows you. It shows you how that Brock base, Purdy? It shows you how base NFL conversations are in the grand scheme. Oh God! When you look, I at, told oh, you this on the oh, radio. I was like, that, "Who's the MVP candidate of the week?" And they're like. They're like blowing Kyler Murray. And I'm like, guys, Kyler Murray is not the MVP of the NFL. So there's this Brock Purdy hive and I'm watching ESPN this morning and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you don't have Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) That that kind of factors in Debo. You know, he he leaves the game. Well, Debo's always hurt. He's always hurt too. Whatever. But Christian McCaffrey, who has been the actual MVP. He has. He has an oblique strength. Well, curious to see uh, how hurt he is. It sucks for Christian. I hate seeing that for Christian McCaffrey because he's had such an incredible start to the season. And I do think he's the MVP. And if it's not him, it might be Tyreek Hill. Now, I'm watching ESPN this morning and they're having like a legitimate conversation about Brock Purdy MVP. If last night hurt him or helped him, because you know, Joe, the the only reason why they lost is because they missed a chippy, uh, a chip field goal. You Mm -hmm. know, Brock Purdy took him down the field. He took him down the field after that. I'm like, what, what am I? What now to the dolphins? This is another galaxy brain NFL take. And I saw this a little bit last week when we talked about North Carolina the if you take X player off the team, they're not as good as you think they are, is not the brilliant take you think it is. All right. Right. So, yes, the San Francisco 49ers were like, oh, they got exposed in their loss to the to the Browns. No, the Browns are a really good defense and key players were hurt, mainly Christian McCaffrey and PJ Walker, the what, XFL Mahomes. Yeah, right. Perfectly functional backup. Has Matt Rule taken credit for? He's like, he knew this was going to happen for PJ Walker. Anyway, so did you see the just as a quick aside? His pregame speech about how we're going to go out there and die tonight. If we die, we die. I saw that. <laughs> Did you think that was real? Like, I thought it was AI. No, every, the cameras are so good now that you can't tell. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, I honestly, I could not tell. I was like, is he really saying this right now? So I'm reading, so I'm reading Mike Tanier. Uh, Mike Tanier's longtime NFL writer, and he, now he writes for The Message. I, I generally enjoy his work. Okay. Okay. And when you get into the power rankings, well, clearly the Dolphins... Uh, and, oh, and Aaron Schatz of who used to be with f- football outsiders also pointed this out too about the Dolphins. Like saying, hey, everybody slow your roll on the Dolphins. 
I'm like, why would I slow my roll on the Dolphins? They have the best offense in the NFL. But you start getting into the, well, Tyree Kill's hamstring gave him problems in the game. He would go out there, he tested it, didn't work, he'd go off the field. And hey, when they took Tua out of the game, you saw what happened to this team after the fact, and everybody's just waiting for these guys to get hurt, and the wheels will fall off. And it's like, no shit. Right. Like, I, wow, <laughs> you're, wow, you're telling me the team that has the cheetah and the team that has Tua Tagovailoa, if those guys get hurt, they're not as good as you think they are? No, that's a no crap the magazine exclusive. Now, to the Panthers, and every Panther conversation we have is brought to you by Graffiti. Go check them out in downtown Cary. You're going to need the bourbon to watch this Panthers team. The rest they were of the up way. 14 nothing. That's where you stop the NFL films full, footage yeah, right there. Fool's gold, man. Fool's gold. Absolute, they had the Super Bowl champions. Absolute 14 fool, nothing. Absolute fool's gold. I cannot gold. do a John Basunda no. I think he's gone anyway. <laughs> I don't think he's with us anymore. A humid wind in <laughs> Miami. <laughs> you knew the Dolphins were eventually. The autumn wind is a pirate. Given the, given the injuries. That wasn't the defense, terrible. That wasn't bad. Yeah. Given the defensive injuries for the Panthers, and given what we know about the Dolphins' offense being this well-oiled machine, that 14-0 start, while positive, was a, all right, when will the Dolphins eventually start breaking off the big plays and showing you why they're really difficult to beat and they're on this historic greatest show on turf comparable season, all right? And this is where I get mad at Frank Reich because you got off to the 14-0 start and you largely got that way by having some balanced offense. Chuba Hubbard, by mm -hmm. the way, in the absence of Miles Sanders, played his ass off. And Bryce Young was able to operate within what they were doing. You knew the Dolphins were eventually going to catch up to you. Do you know what you shouldn't do when you try to play this Dolphins team? Turtle. Don't try to get into a track meet with them. <laughs> oh, okay. Because they started. Don't doing, run with Roy. Don't, you're run, don't run with them. Right. Okay. That's exactly yeah. it. Don't try to run with Mike McDaniel and this team, which is what, when they got down, I think it was 28, uh, I think it was 28 14. Yeah. The game's not completely out of hand no. at that point. And the last thing that I want to do is give the ball back to an offense that can do what it does. So they got a little too panicky to try to get back into that game, which to me wasn't the move. And I do wonder if Frank Reich is going to have play calling duties when the bye week is over. So they enter into this open week. They play Houston next. That's going to be the ultimate referendum on yes. Bryce Young, by the way, because the Houston Texans have been good and CJ Stroud has been good. And but we can have that conversation later. Joe Person of the Athletic asked him a question about asked Frank Reich a question about the play calling earlier and how things were more balanced and how they got up to that 14-0 lead. And you can tell Frank Reich was don't try to set me up because the play calling has been a real strained talking point this season. And he doesn't seem like he wants to give it up, even though he openly talks about how Thomas Brown is the guy that is working with him as the offensive coordinator and calling plays. So listen carefully as Frank Reich is basically like, I'm not giving this shit up, man. Frank, how much did you do differently today in terms of play calling and uh, changing things up? Compared to? The first five games. Um, I have to go back and analyze it, but, you know, we went in thinking it was going to be a mix of huddle and no huddle. We were at, we... Honestly, I was thinking that we were going to come out primarily in no huddle. 
And then what happened was um, we had success early. I'm going to pause right there. Why would you try to run it with the Dolphins? <laughs> Keep the, initially when going, looking at this team, what's the best way to compete with them? Oh, no, we're going to go no huddle. We're just going to try to get into this tempo. We're going to try to score. No, no, keep the ball away from this Dolphin squad, even if your defense is beat up. Anyway, he continues. We were running the ball, and I called a couple huddle plays that were, you know, that were successful. So I thought, well, we'll just eat up clock and move the ball down the field. Um, and then that stalled out. So I felt like it stalled out. Okay, keep with it. Don't, don't, don't abandon it immediately. Oh, we went a couple huddle plays. Things were working out. Yeah, kept the ball away. I don't know, man. I'm just. You know, that was all part of the plan. Our plan was to go some no huddle, some some huddle. Thought we did that at times, moved the ball effectively, but um, especially early on. But I didn't feel like it was much different. So there you go. There's Frank Reich after the game, Joe. I, I continue to be more and more unimpressed with Frank Reich and what they're doing with this offense. And I would not blame David Tepper for moving on from Frank Reich at the end of the season if this continues. It makes it really easy if you go 0-17, which is on the table, by the way. It's Still on the table. Long way away. It's on the table, <laughs> we, They have one Andy Dalton, one more Andy Dalton but, game in them. But the, I look at what the Dolphins are doing. This is a perfect game for Panthers fans. The Dolphins are where the Panthers should be headed. But because they've been very careless with their draft asset management, they're not able to do it. Because let's say they don't go 0-17. They could still very well have the worst record in the NFL and have the top pick in the draft. Oh, wait, it's not yours because you mortgaged the future on Bryce Young, which puts an incredible amount of pressure on him when that doesn't necessarily need to be the case. And Bryce Young is starting to get to start to look broken after games. So the Panthers are two years away from being two years away. You never want to be there, man. You never want to be there. And here's Bryce Young after the game, um, completely frustrated, very upset, and completely understandable. Obviously tough. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's it's, it's tough again. Um, it's tough. You know, I I love this team believe in this team um I'm, I'm i'm blessed and happy to be a part of this team and um you know obviously it's, it's not where we want to be it hasn't been what we wanted um it's, it's tough you know but we got to keep building keep growing trying to find things to, to continue to improve on um things that we've had we gotta we gotta expand on it um we gotta keep building on the on the positives and then you know obviously a lot to clean up so um you know Game just ended not too long ago, so it doesn't feel great, of course. Um, but again, I'm, I'm, I, I love being part of this team, love this group, and um, we're gonna grow from it. Yeah, that's uh, Bryce Young after the game. Some more talent. I enjoyed uh, that Tua Tagovailoa went over, talked to him. Yeah, some of the comments that he made, you know, just about, hey man, because <laughs> Tua was like, if I was going through that, I would want someone to come over and talk to me. Mm -hmm. So. We'll see how this thing plays out. I, I, it's bad. It's really bad. They really are living a parallel life to NC State. I really did like the moves that they made in the offseason. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you make a move and it doesn't work. And to your point, they are already at the, the juncture where they have to realize, okay, we made a move. It didn't work. And now we have to make another one. And, and I get that this is a copycat league. Mm -hmm. But it, 
it's kind of hard to watch what Mike McDaniel was doing. It's kind of hard to watch what Nick Sirianni was doing and think, well, let's go hire a 62-year-old coach who's, what, won one playoff game? Yeah. Or if that. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, it's, a, it's a difficult point to be at because you've squandered all of your assets. Yes. And you say they should be where the Dolphins are, but think about it. The Dolphins hit like they did the nuclear wipeout. Right. And, that's, and they did it the right way. And that's what the Panthers... And, and I think and you the Panthers, hit. if they could get, if they now could get the two picks back for Burns, of course they would take it. But I'm not even sure ones are the answer at this point. I mean, they, they need ones. Please don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they need... They need to basically get rid of everyone on their roster and just start over is what they need to do. Other than obviously Bryce Young, I think you could have you have a chance to build around him. Yeah, but you got to hit. You're gonna have to start hitting some home runs that you're just not hitting right now. You have. We talked about this. We talked about this last week, and I'm going to reiterate this point. You have to be on the same page as an organization. Stephen Ross, sure. the owner of the Miami Dolphins, wanted to tank so much so that he was incentivizing Brian. I got mad yes. that Brian Flores yes. actually was winning games, winning games. and yeah. they got out the paint. Okay, now this is not me advocating for tanking. I'm simply and not not only not advocating for tanking, but also understanding that just because you do tank and just because you do get top picks doesn't I mean, mean you're going to hit. I was going to say picks. they hit on the Waddle pick, obviously. I still think Tariq Hill was a gift from the Chiefs. It was, but you have to put yourself in the position to do that by using the draft assets you acquired over time, yes. thanks to the Laramie Tunsil deal. The, the The Dolphins went into it thinking, we are going to well, build Fitzpatrick towards and Tunsil, this. They gave away two assets yes. for first-round picks. You're going to build towards this goal. And then once you realize what you have, you can then go make moves to make your team better, whether it's in the form of Getting Tyreek like it did. Cue. Bradley Chubb, by the way, yeah, which they added last year. Cue the Mike McDaniel clip. What, do you, why'd you get Chase Claypool? Because he's do fast. Do you want me to say it? He's fast. He's fast, right? <laughs> they literally, their philosophy was, so, let's just get a shit ton of fast players and then put them on the field at the same time. But that's not what <laughs> Frank Reich wants to do. Frank They're Reich, like, Hello, can we get, um, let's get a broken down Miles Sanders. Let's get Adam Thielen. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they were in a position where they couldn't do anything else. And Hayden Hurst. Okay. Right. Now, and Adam, I liked all of them. Adam Thielen's been That's fine. why I'm laughing because I liked the premise of all of the things that they did. Doesn't mean it's going to work. Does not mean it's going to work. Sometimes it doesn't work. You can have a plan. Sometimes it just doesn't work. So the hard part now is realizing that the plan didn't work. And how do you get yourself out of it? I, I think you just have to go nuclear option at this point and just wipe the whole thing out. Does it start now though? You I go think, into the I think it probably should. They're going to, I mean, again, it's nine 22 on a Monday morning. So it's entirely possible that later on today, while you're listening to this podcast, that Scott Fitterer is fired because that's where we are right now. There's a sequence of events. I guess it doesn't matter if it's his fault. I was going to say, well, but, but here's the, here again, this is what I get back to with <laughs> Scott Fitterer and I don't think Scott Federer made any of the picks while Matt Rule was the coach. I'll just I'll I'll die on that page. That's fine. But here's here's where we are on the same page thing. Yeah. What I get back to it's David Tepper's job as the owner of the Carolina Panthers to have a vision, and then put the people in place to execute said vision. All right. At some point, when your coach is doing press conferences, Frank Reich is doing press conference and actively saying, "I don't make these personnel decisions." These are Scott Fitterer decisions. Oh, do you want to go out and get a number one wide receiver? Hey, man, that's his business. Hey, what about the Brian Burns contract? Remember, we played a clip last week where he said, obviously, you want to draft players and you want to pay the ones that you feel are good and want to be in this organization. That was a direct comment about Brian Burns and the fact that they have not paid him. Now, in a weird sort of way, 
Brian Burns having the kind of season he's having has not been one that you think the bank account's going to keep going up. At this point, you use Brian Burns to trade. You use Jeremy Chin for trade. You have to start getting back those draft assets that you had given up with mistake after mistake after mistake. I think Burns is the only player on the roster they could get a first round pick for. That's the only one you could, but you can, you can get, you, you can get stuff for Jeremy Chin, but clearly not a number one, clearly not a number one for Jeremy Chin. So that's a Scott, but that's a Scott Fitterer thing. And I do feel like they're going to fire but cap him. space is a cap space is a asset. Now, do you want Scott Fitterer doing that too? And if he's not on the same page with the head coach, Frank Reich, do you want those two together? If you're, you have to make a decision. Either you're going to go your route and you're just going to wipe it yeah. out, wipe it out, including the coaching staff, by the way, yes, including Frank Reich, wipe it out. Or you believe in Frank Reich, you get rid of Scott Fitterer and you have a coach and GM who want the same things. Okay. But then no, that also gets to, isn't it the owner who's meddling? That, that gets back to what I said at the jump, yeah. but it doesn't go anywhere unless David Tepper actually executes a plan that he wants rather than getting impatient and coming in and doing dumb things. Well, again, I did. Cause they didn't do I it with Teddy Bridgewater. Remember, remember the yeah. whole, the whole thing with Matt rule and Teddy Bridgewater was, Hey, we've got this literal bridge quarterback. Yeah. We're going to draft the next Patrick Mahomes. That's what we're going to do. And that got, was his plan. And they got the XFL Mahomes instead. Yeah. And they got so frustrated with Teddy Who Bridgewater. Fine, by the way. And used him as, as a, a as a stopgap star. He used him as a scapegoat. They started getting impatient and they did the Sam Darnold yeah, thing yeah, and yeah. the Baker Mayfield thing. And everything was a mess. And that impatience is how you get to Bryce Young. Because my goodness, imagine if this was a Panthers team that made sound draft decisions, did not chase quarterbacks, and found themselves in a position where they could draft one of these quarterbacks this upcoming season. Yeah. And then go from there on a rookie deal. Imagine a rookie deal with a Drake May. Like if that's where you wanted to sell a farm and go get Drake May, then that makes sense. I didn't see it with Bryce Young. There's none of these quarterbacks that you felt like you had to go up and move to get to number one. Again, don't disagree with the premise. Sometimes you make a plan and it doesn't work out. Whew. And that's that's the difficult part that they're in right now. They had a plan. It didn't work. And now you have to reevaluate what are your actual options because it, it looks pretty bleak right now. Fired up on the Panthers. Well, that's okay. I mean, we're going to have the same conversation about the Panthers moving forward. I feel like that, yeah. Because it it's a tough situation to be in. Yeah. I And I feel very relatable to the Panthers because, mm-hmm. like, I've made bad fantasy trades before. But because the McCaffrey and Moore trades are really are the stingers here. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Well, we didn't trade Burns, who could have gotten you two ones. We did trade McCaffrey for basically a bag of lunch. And then you you traded more as like a throw in to get the number one overall pick when that that's the killer, man. You made three moves with three premium assets and all three of them were wrong. Mm-hmm. That's that's a crazy hit rate to have. <laughs> and again, I don't know how you get out of it at this point, other than to say, you pull a Boston Red Sox and you say cap space is an asset. Yes. And you find someone to unload every single person on your roster to. Speaking of assets, uh, having a realtor who understands the market and maximizes the value of your home, that's an asset. Your home's an asset. So I don't just throw away ask money. Barry Woodard for help in this situation. <laughs> so go to Hometown Realty. Check them out online, myhtr.com. Yes. Barry, my plan didn't work. Well, here's let's start here. <laughs> let's go to myhtr.com. Let's figure out how we're going to start. Let's get that mortgage calculator going. 
Six locations, more than 250 agents. Barry Woodard and his crew, they've got you covered from Raleigh to the coast. Go check them out. It's myhtr.com. Also, big thanks to Whitaker and Hammer. Check them out online at wh.lawyer. Uh, you're closing on a house? Well, yeah. Man, Whitaker and Hamer can handle those kind of things. You're, are you refinancing? Although I don't know why you'd want to refinance with these rates. But if you have to, hey, you know, bring that to closing with Whitaker and Hamer. Uh, they can take care of those things for you. Check them out. WH.lawyer. You have a ter- terrible traffic violation in downtown Raleigh. Well, WH.lawyer. Get that settled? <laughs> Work. We're working on it. Okay. We're working towards it. Thank goodness I have Josh on my side. Do, do we have a little potential content here? We do because I forgot who it was. That I, it was funny because part of my setup, my my ticket will be yeah. community service, and yes. someone was like, "You should go pick up trash." Obvious would definitely put that on. Oh, absolutely YouTube. would. I absolutely <laughs> would. I would meme the hell out of that man. I would absolutely meme the hell out of that. But yeah, oh well. You let me know where you're going to be for community service and I'll, I'll see if I can get, I think Ethan could help out on that one too. Yeah. Get some, get some real cinematic shots of you doing community service. Meme that. Yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Speaking of memes, uh, the memes have turned on Deion Sanders. Did you watch Saturday Night Live over the weekend? I did. Uh, I saw the clip of, of you that. Saw the clip. But I also watched Colorado in the first half on Friday night. 29 nothing. I'm like, oh, there, there they go. Stanford's terrible, by the way. They're well, so bad. They're good enough to come back from a 29-0 deficit. It's the largest comeback in school history. Uh, it's the fourth largest comeback in Pac-12 history. And it's the largest halftime deficit overcome to win a, in, in the Pac-12. Uh, largest blown lead in Colorado football history as well. And I know Deion Sanders after the game was disgusted. The theme of the day is like path two, right? College football path to the college football playoff for NC state. It's a path to bowl eligibility. All of a sudden we went from Colorado's taking over the world to will they make a bowl game this year? If they can't beat Stanford, probably not. If we're being perfectly honest at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Now things have quieted down for Dion. I think people are waiting to see what happens with the rest of the season. I think they've got their Dion takes and Colorado already locked and loaded. Uh, Our friend, Patrick Stevens, has not waited to unload on Deion Sanders, by the way. Patrick does a winners and losers of college football for the Washington Post. Right? Yeah. And he put Colorado as a loser. And I thought this line from Patrick really shows you, it's a preview of where things are going to be headed with Deion Sanders if they continue to lose or have games like this. Quote, there were a lot of suckers who argued Colorado was going to irrevocably, I can't talk all of a sudden, change (laughs) college football under Coach Deion Sanders' stewardship. Well, the Buffaloes certainly left a mark on Friday night. It remains worth repeating that as a program, Colorado is still in vastly better shape than it was a year ago. But that wasn't the measurement that so many used to define the Buffaloes during their 3-0 start. And any ridicule directed towards those not affiliated with Colorado who pumped up Sanders' program in September is fully warranted. So there, I told you so's are about to happen yeah. with Colorado. I, I think the, the the deal with Colorado, now, first of all, I did not love his post game. I, I'm disgusted. Disturbed. I, no. Was it disturbed? No, no, no. When you say, I care more than the players do. Oh, yeah, I love yeah, the yeah. game and they don't love the game. I, yes. I do not like that. Mm-hmm. That's bad messaging. We we all know it's about you, Dion. We get that. But that's bad messaging. I right. do not like that. Um even if you privately want to say that to them, mm. privately go to say to them, I can't care more than you do. You have to want it. 
Okay. And there's a frustration there that we've talked about often when you are a, a elite, one of the two all-time greatest athletes, right? Mm-hmm. It's really hard to be a coach because, well, you expect people to make the same plays that you did and you don't understand. Why don't you run a 4-1? I, I, I don't get it. Why aren't you making the same plays that I did, right? We talked about this with Rod Brindamore. This is a guy who just wants to coach his kid. This is a guy who wants to win a national championship with his kid in the worst way. So the good thing for Colorado is it's not about this year. It's about next year and adding some defensive help in the portal. So that will be the biggest challenge for them. How this thing goes the rest of the way, I suspect there will be a lot of games like we saw and have already seen this season. They are very good on offense. They are absolute horseshit on defense, though. Mm -hmm. Like they are really, really bad on defense. So the question is, how do you go and convince people to come to Colorado next year to give yourself a chance at winning the national championship? Because that's what this is all about. And I told this to my dad, you watch, they'll, they'll have a really good year next year. And whoever drafts his son, he's going to try to get that job as the NFL coach. Cause I'm right about this. And I will go to my grave that I'm right about this. He wants to coach his kid. That's what he cares about. Sure. He's going to convince his kid not to go pro, which is easy enough with NIL money. This oh, yeah, year. it's a piece of cake. Build towards next year, and then he's going to try to get an NFL job with Shador in the in the following year. So they at least have a path. You got to stop blaming players, though. That, that I don't like. I did not like his post game. I didn't like Shane Beamer's post game for for um, South Carolina. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I called the right play, and he's like, he we had I, perfect, I love it with a perfect set. I love it when coaches try to go coach coach like footbally talk on you mm-hmm. and be like we called this certain blitz and this was the perfect play and blah, 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 as if you're an idiot and you don't understand football. And it's like, just cause I don't know your vernacular doesn't mean I don't understand football. It just means I don't know what your play calls are. Um, yeah, I, that, I didn't like any of that. We called the perfect play that they uh, just didn't make the play. And it's like, yeah, man, that happens. Guess what? That happens. That clip That's football. This is from Jim Weber on, uh, on, on, on Twitter. Here's that Shane Beamer uh, press conference you're talking about. Gesturally ingested, but looking at the defense, just what did you see as the main problem out there? I saw the main problem, David. We call pressures and we don't run them. Uh, We play man coverage and and, uh, didn't do a great job of of keeping leverage. I mean, just in the first half alone, we we ran a pressure where the corner came and for some reason he stopped and we gave up an explosive pass because we didn't continue to run the pressure. Uh, We had another pressure call where we didn't run it. Uh, in the first half, we had a holding penalty in the secondary in the first half. Uh, we had another pressure on third down backed up where we're going to be off the field in the first half and we didn't execute it properly. Um, we talked to our guys about not jumping around the quarterback. We got we jumped and, and I got beat on a pump fake. We had an offsides on, in the first half. So just did not play clean football. And then at the end of the day, we had some calls that were perfect calls. We ran a edge pressure. If somebody said, hey, a team is getting ready to run a reverse what would be the perfect call? You would bring both people off the edge. We did it. We had a perfect call sometimes. And um, their guy made the play, and we didn't. But we got good kids in that room. They're going to continue to make those plays. Um, we got a- <laughs> I, just, I just threw them all under the bus. But they're good kids. They're good kids. I mean, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I just man. threw I, all of them under the bus. My football coaching genius <laughs> saw all these things happen, and they just didn't execute. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's a fine line in – because we, we, we started the conversation about we can all admit that NC State's just not executing. Drop passes, procedural sure. penalties. Things like that. There's a there's a gentle way to point those types of things out. And Dave Doran, who does have a history of not going full Shane Beamer, but basically acting as though, hey, like we did our jobs, the players got to do their jobs. I don't necessarily disagree with those sentiments. There's just has to be a better way to get those points across. And one thing that Beamer's weak spot is at South Carolina 
is that he's he's too online. Now, yeah. I've said this before when it comes to coaches. These are guys who are around our age or younger. So they're used to this kind of stuff. But like Beamer lost me at one point last year when he was going after this one guy named Mark Ryan. He's a radio host in South Carolina, in the upstate of South Carolina. I don't know, Mark. All I know is that typically when I see his stuff put into my timeline, I just kind of go, you know, like he's on this kick of like, I'm going to be right about Clemson leaving for the SEC. Sure. He's only been tweeting about it for like five years. One day you'll be right. Anyway, but I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm That's me. I'm another radio guy or I'm a podcaster now. And if I talk about another podcaster or radio guy, that's that's to be expected. Okay. But Beamer elevating a dude that most people don't know because he's extremely online told me something about how Beamer operates. And that's just another example of what's going on there. And if you act like that, dude, they're going to eat you alive at South Carolina if you don't win. And that's kind of attitude you're going with it. But it, it is what speaking of 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 media stuff. This was from awful announcing. And I was not going to talk about Pat McAfee. Oh, okay. Until I saw this from I, awful I, announcing. I didn't like this. So quick, quick context. I think we're here. talking about the same thing. Quick context here. Last week, there was a story in the New York Post that talked about Pat McAfee and his relationship with Aaron Rodgers and how it's a financial relationship to get him on the show. Okay. And my first thought was, yeah, and that's the business. And honestly, Aaron Rodgers going on with Pat McAfee is worth every penny of what McAfee supposedly gives to Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, Pat McAfee did not deny this. He, he told the sure. New York Post in the story, yeah, we do this. Now, McAfee went hard after the Post for like reporting. But I think what happened was he was using the avatar of the Post to fight back this idea that what he's doing with Aaron Rodgers is somehow wrong. The way Pat McAfee explained it was, I take care of my people. Okay, fine. I got no problem with that. You don't even have to, you don't even have to make it some sort of altruistic, I make a ton of money, this company's valued at whatever, and I'm going to take care of the people that help me get to that point. I get all that stuff. It's very altruistic, but it's also a smart business decision. Yeah. If you stripped away the altruistic stuff and you said, yeah, man, Pat McAfee put, I don't want to say put me on the map, but Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers' conversations automatically give McAfee a weekly spot in the news cycle. Mm -hmm. That's worth every freaking penny. If you and I could afford talking to a current NFLer that would put this podcast on front page news every single week, we would absolutely do it. At 99.9 The Fan, we have, and they still continue to have, financial relationships with guests. That's part of the business. Regular guests. Yeah. Regular guests. Typically, the way it works is that you sell sponsorships. Like, what? Do you think Steve Logan hung out with us because he liked us? Shit, he hated me. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So, no. The reason why he did it was because there was a financial incentive for him to do it. Yeah. Now, it wasn't a lot of money because he still had ECU money paying the bills. But ultimately, they built a package around it. They sold it. Money's money, man. And he did the hits. It all helps. It all helps. So I was really kind of flabbergasted by the reaction that people had to this Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee relationship. And I tweeted about it. I let it go. But awful announcing tipped the scales with this McAfee take that I think goes a little bit deeper. So they tweet this out after the crowd. This is for game day. Mm-hmm. After the crowd chanted for one more kick, Grayson from Washington won the college game day field goal kicking contest for 30 grand. Congrats, Grayson, on joining Aaron Rodgers in getting paid by Pat McAfee. They probably hit send tweet and thought, man, 
nailed it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Zinger. Bam. Got him. What did you get? It just shows that you're petty right. about Pat McAfee. If you don't like Pat McAfee, just say you don't like Pat McAfee. I am not a Pat McAfee fan. I don't like the shtick to me gets old after a while. Sure. He's a WWE caricature. I think, but there's a couple of things going on here. There's one thing I think we both agree on with McAfee. Yeah. And how he's made his bones. Yeah. And it's fine if he's, in my opinion, it's his business. Mm -hmm. He made millions of dollars from DraftKings, right? Yeah. By building a podcast from nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. But how he did it was by talking to people. Yeah. And I think the biggest mistake ESPN has made is they think people care what Adam Schefter thinks. I don't care what Adam Schefter thinks. Mm -hmm. They think people cared back when John Gruden was their, their Monday night analyst. They think, oh, man, we're going to have John Gruden do this radio hit. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I, I want to talk to the people who are playing and coaching and being the, the general managers and making those decisions. That's what McAfee has done. That's how McAfee has gone from quirky punter, you know, for the Colts mm -hmm. to literally a multimillionaire by talking to and interviewing and having conversations with people. Mm. I, I think it's deeper than that. It's not just talking to guests. Okay. Because there, because when, it, when you're McAfee, when, but McAfee ESPN does, completely pardon the pun punted on talking to the actual players and coaches. Yeah. Mike and Mike used to regularly have the, the hot coach, the hot player on their show in the morning. Yeah. And they completely went away from but that. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And there's a couple of things too, which by the way, McAfee also talks to the, you know, Ian Rappaport. Well, now, now he has to. No, he's always done that. Okay. He's always done that. He's always had people that he goes to on a regular basis that are info guys. Everybody does it. Okay. And I'll, I do push back on the idea that nobody wants to hear from insiders. I mean, it's not that nobody, I, I don't only want to hear from Adam fair. Schefter, particularly fair. after his track record of just being Here's what's going an on. avatar for the people that he covers. Here's what's going on with Pat McAfee. You're on the right track. You're just on the wrong track from other takes you've had regarding the media business today. Okay. What Pat McAfee is exposing and why ESPN doesn't talk to players anymore is because players don't have to talk to ESPN anymore. Right. They have their own podcast and then Kelsey's. they talk and yeah. then they talk to each other. Right. That's the thing that's scaring the hell out of everybody. Because McAfee is able to have a rapport with current athletes and former athletes that you and I will never be able to have. Nobody at ESPN is ever going to have this type of relationship. And instead, what ends up happening is that the Stephen A's of the world, who doesn't talk to anybody, but he has antagonistic relationships with, with, with players, is the flip side to it. The reason why Stephen A makes what he makes and why he's so popular is that he's, he's a wrestling caricature as well. Mm -hmm. He's not all that different than Pat McAfee's wrestling caricature, except that what Stephen A is in the business of doing is very gossipy. You know, looking directly at the camera, going after Kevin Durant, you know, going after Cowboys fans, that kind of stuff feeds itself. McAfee is making traditional media nervous on a couple of different levels. The first one is the ability to talk to players. And that's why this Aaron Rodgers thing is like a gotcha thing that comes out of nowhere. Like, oh, you, it's like, it's almost like they're trying to act like, see, I always knew Aaron Rodgers was never really your friend. Who gives a shit if he was or he wasn't, right? Is he giving me good content or not? That's all that matters. The other thing that is freaking traditional media out, and this is something that you and I have dealt with in the past, is that young people gobble this stuff up. Never forget that ESPN needs Pat McAfee. 
Yeah. Pat McAfee does not need ESPN. And if you don't believe me on that particular comment, go look at how they set up that McAfee show. If you watch McAfee on ESPN, there is not a single ESPN note. It is the straight YouTube feed. If you were to turn on ESPN and you looked at the screen, not even the bottom line exists. That tells you where ESPN is right now. But to go back to your track, the one worry I have for Pat McAfee is online doses, aggregated doses, cool. Putting them everywhere like ESPN tends to do ends up kind of oversaturating. Yeah. And I think they're oversaturating Pat McAfee. And I've seen this lament on college game day fandom where it's like Pat McAfee makes that show about him and not college football. But that's the thing. That's where things are headed. Somebody was paying you the money that ESPN was paying you. Yeah. You would make it about you too. Yes, you would. Yeah. It, it, yeah. The thing, <laughs> I, I just think that Pat McAfee, and again, this comes from somebody who will openly tell you that Pat McAfee is not my cup of tea. Sure. But I understand and respect what Pat McAfee is doing and how he got here. You're never going to see me taking shots in that regard. You're never going to see me not like basically disrespect the hustle because that's what we're all doing right now. I was going to say, it's a business. Everybody's He's sharing the revenue with someone who's helping him create and make yep. money. Everybody's that, that, in the same hustle. You know who right doesn't now. do that? College sports. That's the only business model that doesn't do that. You know, maybe the olds who are watching this <laughs> stuff who are so used to people not being taken care of, is just, that's the reason why they're upset about these types of things. But yeah, I do feel like his appearances on college game day and being on ESPN all the time has finally hit that tipping point with Pat McAfee and a pushback. Paul Feinbaum went through the same thing. Sure. Paul Feinbaum was a regional superstar. The people who rode for Feinbaum were always going to ride for Feinbaum. And then they started giving it heavy doses to the national audience. And people were like, okay, like, who is this guy? Why is he, why is he doing X, Y, Z? Why is he constantly promoting the SEC? Why is he always taking this bet? Well, because that's who he is. Yeah. Again, the same thing's happening with Pat McAfee. Big thanks to Breeze Through for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. I got the Freeze Crew shirt on right now. Super comfortable. It is super comfortable. Very happy about this. Uh, big thanks to Breeze Through for having us out at their beer cave yesterday. And I know Adam had pointed out like, hey, Hurricanes have been undefeated since Tom Dundon did an interview in the beer cave. But that ended last night. It ended last night. It's okay. It's okay. But they got the uh, the Howlers. They've got a great beer selection. They got the snacks. And of course, most importantly, they got those tumblers with the lifetime refills. A little bit of everything. Wherever you go, Breeze Through is there for you. Let's go check them out. Also, big thanks to Butcher's Market for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Went to Butcher's Market this weekend and I got, I think it was the special. It was a house-made chicken Philly sausage. Oh. Had those last night. A little beer brought action. hungry. Why did you just do that? I went to, because uh, I saw you a trophy for our trophy fest on Saturday. And I got their farmhouse lager. I used a little bit of that to reduce the onions. A uh, nice little reduction to put with these brats. That black kettle, dark coal. She was now my new favorite beer in the history. Of we, 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 might, we might have put a bug in Chris's uh, <laughs> and Woody's ear about canning that all the time. It was really good, that black coal. But anyway, um, I, I used that for these brats from the butcher's market. It was off the charts. Um, speaking of trophy, also had a lot of groove wagon this weekend. Mm-hmm. Buddy, let me tell you about my Friday night. Oh, did you go Magnifico or Fence I Hopper? I went Magnifico. Oh, you got to be careful with the Magnifico. I, I, went, I went three deep on the Magnifico. <laughs> That's the number. 
Three yes. is the magic yeah, number. Three is the magic number, man, with the Magnifico. And it was <laughs> off. It was nine night. <laughs> it was nine night time for me, man. Trick responsibly. Yes, trick responsibly. Support as our guys. Support the king. But trick responsibly. But yeah, man, shout out to Groove Wagon as well. And of course, shout out to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. You can check them out online at bugsbite.com. Uh, mosquito Authority came through the last couple of weeks making sure because October can still be prime mm. mosquito time. It's that weird false fall, second summer, third summer, last gasp of summer. Uh, you can have the rain that we've had. We haven't had a full-on freeze, so mosquitoes can still be active. That's why Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority is so clutch. Hayes is the OG OG. Word is bond, man. Doesn't believe in contracts. So here's what you do. You go to bugsbite.com. Look at all the different coupons and offers they have for their services to your home because you want to get rid of the bugs in your house, outside your house, any of those critters up in the attic. And the 360 moisture barrier is a game changer. Support. Our OG, OG, Hayes Lancaster, and Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. It's BugsBite.com. Let's get out of here with some Hey Joe questions. Big thanks to Anthony over at Oakwood Pizza Box. By the way, how's he doing on picks and pizza? We are now all, nearly deadlocked. I am nine and eight on the season. He is eight and nine. I'm going to be curious. I'm curious about his Jets takes this week. Yes. Well, he was, he faded his Jets this yeah. week. I took the Jets yeah. this week only because okay. of the points. All right. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Just saying. You, right. you know that the our season long bet on picks and pizza is if I beat Anthony, mm-hmm. I get we get a we get an OG menu item. I'm excited about that. I'm rooting. For I you. am too. I am rooting <laughs> for you. All right, let's get to Matt. Legit question: How is State going to reach a higher ceiling than the Doran decade with the NIL train out of the station now? Well, State wasn't reaching its peak before NIL. No, so it's almost like you have to separate the two things. Kevin Concepcion is going to be the most interesting test case because you know Auburn, Georgia, South Carolina, Kentucky, whoever, Tennessee is going to offer him a bunch of money yes. this offseason. And that that's going to be the big challenge. He has, he has a great relationship with MJ Morris. I saw my friend uh, JC Zemble had a conversation with Jonathan Paler mm-hmm. about how you know that's their star recruit coming up next year and how he has a great relationship with Concepcion. So that's going to be the big challenge for NC State is hanging on to players like that because you know you don't want to turn into a farm system for the SEC. I I answered this with a straight up, I don't know. Like, I I really don't know. Um, NC State is in a weird spot. You know, Wolfpack Club always made its bones by getting a little from a lot. Yeah. Um, And they've started a new deal as well. Yeah. It's confu- it's, it is a confusing time. It, it is a confusing time for NC State. And again, I really don't know the answer to that. North Carolina is always going to have an advantage over you sure. in the ability to get talent. It's always going to have an advantage over you in terms of the money behind the scenes. And if Duke wants to, they can also put some money behind things. And again, that's a great equalizer with NIL. Again, we talked about this with Mike Elko. If they want to go out and get somebody, they're probably going to be able to find a way, you know, a position of need uh, and find it, you know, find they'll have an easier time than before that's the again that's the great equalizer uh, over to tyler the disparity in talent between unc and state is pretty striking i don't think doran deserves to lose his job but i also don't see next season being any better um transfer portal matters though yeah it does and, and remember they've kind of changed their tack with the recruits that they have coming in next year that's where they went and focused on getting better skilled players again the challenge is going to be hanging on to the players that are good now and then making better decisions in the portal. Yeah. You know, um, Jamarillo was a good idea from Oregon gets hurt. We never see him play. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how much does that help to have a left tackle? Um, They made other bad choices in the portal. I think 
the season long question, should you have spent the money that you did on Brendan Armstrong on getting other players or and helping MJ, MJ Morris, right? Or did you make the right move in, in bringing Armstrong in? There's just a lot there. Yeah, there is <laughs> just a lot there. Uh, from John, there's no defense for keeping Dave Dorn at this point, getting out coached, outplayed in every phase of the game by a coach in year two, going to be 39, 46 in ACC overall. But just wait for next year. This is what I mean by right. the uh, the herb zone. People have already made up their minds. It doesn't really matter short of winning the ACC. That'll get people back on board. Uh, from uh, Mach Ag. I got a plan. ECU and state offenses are basically the same. Non-existent. Yeah, they, they really are. Let them play and see who wins. No, wait. We should just lay down. And maybe. I think I told you, man. Things are things are down bad in uh, in Greenville these days. Let's go to Kelly. Is Keenan at night a thing? I feel like it should be a thing. When Carolina is good in primetime, the Carolina blue pops. Well, they've changed their lighting over at Keenan. Yes, they have. And yes, there is something in particular for North Carolina games at night in primetime. It's a good-looking spot. And when people are fired up, I can see why people fall in love with North Carolina. All right. I think we got... That was the lead to my Saturday Road story for this week that I said, the Sleeping Giants awake. Yeah. After years of people talking about the picturesque setting, <laughs> the false promises. It's here now. It's here. <laughs> From Bennett, Joe, I'm getting some Chuck Amato 06 vibes, or am I crazy? Oh, um... Now I would I I remember distinctly that season thinking they're not going to fire Chuck Amato, and then they did when he lost out because he didn't have allies. Mm-hmm. I don't think Boo Corrigan will fire Dave Doran. No. Now I I said the same thing in 06 about Chuck Amato. I did. No, but Dave's got allies. But Dave does have allies, yeah. including Boo and including Randy Woodson. Yes. So. That's why we're in the Herb zone because Herb had allies. Herb did. And man, are we going to do this? Because we can no. do it tomorrow. Yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. Because you and I disagree about what actually happened with Herb. I still don't know how we still disagree over this, but we do. We- Herb could have stayed. Oh, he just had to put up with it. No, Dave can stay. He just has to put up with it. They're both in the same spot. <laughs> They're both in the same spot. But we can talk about that tomorrow. That's, folks, it's a podcast tease. We're figuring this thing out. <laughs> and that. <laughs> Every so often we remind you, we're professionals. <laughs> I mean, we, we do get paid, so by definition. I mean, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> we'll see you all tomorrow. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.